From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Emily Arnson. This is your news for Wednesday, May 10th. The Moab UMTRA site is testing out a new method for cleaning up contaminated groundwater underneath the old uranium mill. The site is right next to the Colorado River, and for years, UMTRA workers have been pumping radioactive water out of the aquifer to prevent it from reaching the river. This spring, the UMTRA site partnered with scientists from the Lawrence Berkeley National Laboratory to try something new. Instead of pumping contaminated groundwater out of the aquifer, they've developed a way to trap it in the aquifer so it doesn't leak into the river. In March, they started injecting the aquifer with a mineral called apatite, which acts like a sponge to absorb the uranium in the water. We're not removing the uranium from the environment. Kenneth Williams is a senior scientist at the Lawrence Berkeley National Laboratory. What we're doing is we're removing the uranium from part of the environment where it's mobile and can cause problems, which is dissolved in groundwater, slowly making its way to the Colorado River. Uranium occurs naturally in groundwater, especially around here with such high concentrations of the element. So the point of the experiment isn't to take uranium out of the aquifer, but rather to slow down how quickly that uranium flows into the river. And so now, you know, kind of the analog would be, you know, take a sponge that you've now soaked with black ink and throw it into a swimming pool. You're going to be slowly bleeding that black ink off the sponge into the rest of that pool water, right? Same thing applies for these former uranium sites or uranium mill sites like Moab. The idea is that the appetite will stay in the aquifer and hold onto the uranium. So even though the uranium is still in the aquifer, it's no longer dissolved in the water. The experiment started in March. And Williams says the first round of results were successful. We're seeing a reduction in uranium concentration by a hundredfold. And so we're getting decreases in uranium concentration from 2,000 parts per billion to levels that, at least in mid-April, we haven't analyzed the new data, are now down to 20 parts per billion. And to put that in context, the drinking water standard that the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency sets for uranium is roughly 30 parts per billion. And so we've now, over the course of these three short injection experiments, have lowered uranium concentrations below the drinking water standard set by the EPA. They don't have any plans as of right now to remove the uranium appetite mixture from the aquifers, but Williams says that could be a possibility in the future. Over a fixed amount of time, you could propose going in with a backhoe and digging that you know, now enriched uranium out of the ground and hauling it to the engineered disposal cell in the same way that the tailings from the Moab site are being hauled up to the disposal cell in Crescent Junction. Williams is looking forward to seeing whether the experiment holds up this spring with potential floods near the UMTRA site. What a unique year we have in terms of high snowpack and high runoff. The Moab site itself is already partially flooded, right? That's just how nature works. And so when you have a really dynamic environment in terms of river water and groundwater systems, how effective is the barrier going to you know, perform under that really dynamic process? The Lawrence Berkeley National Laboratory and the Moab UMTRA project are both funded by the Department of Energy. More information about the experiment can be found in today's show notes. Last Friday, victim advocates held a walk in downtown Phoenix to raise awareness about sober living homes that take advantage of indigenous communities like the Navajo Nation and the Ute Mountain Ute Tribe in Colorado. 
For Rocky Mountain Community Radio and KSJD, Chris Clements reports. Advocate Reva Stewart, whose cousin was taken by a group home recruiter from New Mexico to Phoenix, Arizona, says that recruiters often look for unhoused people in tribal communities or those struggling with substance abuse. They promise assistance at sober living centers and yet offer alcohol during transport. But Stewart says that a rule change made last week to Arizona's Medicaid program closed a loophole that the group homes were exploiting. The facilities received kickbacks for taking those enrolled in the program's American Indian Health Plan to intensive outpatient centers for classes, she says. But with these bad actors, it's going to shut them down because they were getting paid under the table through these um, intensive outpatient programs. So they're not going to get paid anymore. But our thing is now is we're going to have a lot of unsheltered relatives. Stewart predicts that since the loophole was closed, thousands of unsheltered indigenous people in the Phoenix area will be kicked out of group homes that can no longer profit off them. I'm Chris Clements. Snow in the Rocky Mountains is already starting to melt. That water is filling streams and reservoirs that are part of the Colorado River system, a lifeline for tens of millions of people in the West. But some of that snow seems to be disappearing before it can trickle downhill. KUNC's Alex Hager visited a team of researchers who are trying to figure out where it's going. If you want to get good measurements of snow, you've got to get a little cold and a little soggy. This team of researchers is doing just that almost 10,000 feet above sea level. The journey through these Colorado mountains feels like a polar expedition. This line of bundled up skiers is breathing heavy and trudging alongside flags that mark the route into the whiteout up ahead. Eli Schwatt from the University of Washington is one of the researchers. And it kind of looks like, uh, what's the snow moon in Star Wars Chapter 5? It looks like Hoth, Yeah, is what I would <laughs> say. It looks like the, the rebel base on Hoth. At this site full of towering scientific measuring devices, we're getting pelted by heavy, wet snow. But that is a necessary sacrifice for this team of snow detectives. Another researcher, Danny Hogan, says they're helping solve a mystery. We're getting an amount of snow in the mountains, and that same amount of water that we would expect isn't necessarily coming down the river, and we're trying to find uh, different culprits. Figuring out those culprits has big consequences. The snow that does melt off joins the Colorado River, which supplies people from Wyoming to Mexico. But two-thirds of that water starts as snow in the state of Colorado. That's why this team is studying how it disappears. Essentially, it's a, a loss of water that is, is difficult to measure because you're kind of going from something you see to something you don't see. They're talking about a process called sublimation, that's when solid frozen snow evaporates into the air before it ever has a chance to melt and flow downhill. Jessica Lundquist says it's the same kind of process that makes dry ice give off that spooky fog. The amounts that disappear range in models from 10% to 90% of the snowpack. So the uncertainty is huge. Lundquist is in charge of this research. She's a professor of engineering at the University of Washington. The sublimation study doesn't have solid results yet, but it will contribute to a growing understanding of what happens to snow each spring. That's data that matters, even for people hundreds of miles away. We know the Colorado River is oversubscribed. Every drop of water is wanted by multiple people. And so if you're off by the number of drops of water, you're promising to somebody 
they're not happy. But Lundquist says evaporating snow isn't the only culprit. Scientists think a lot of the region's snow is getting soaked up by dry soil. The dirt here gets baked by abnormally dry summers, then acts like a sponge once snow melts on top of it. Edie Zagona is a hydrology professor at the University of Colorado. She says that makes it harder to get accurate predictions of how much water will be in the river each year. There are so many variables, and it's so difficult to get them all right. Even with all the uncertainty about where the water is going, Zagona says one thing is constant. Climate change is a major factor in all aspects of the problem with forecasting. And good predictions get more important every year in a growing region with a shrinking water supply. And up in the mountains, data to help inform those predictions comes from underneath our feet. Is it uh, time to get digging? Yeah, it's time to get digging. Hogan and Schwatt are shoveling out a snow pit. Inside, they're using rulers, thermometers, and scales to gather readings. From surface at 152 to 143, this new snow. Almost all the tools they're using are on the shelves at your local hardware store. But with the right context, the numbers from this niche study, carried out by two guys with a shovel, can make a big difference in understanding where our water comes from and where it might be going. I'm Alex Hager in Gothic, Colorado. And that's the KZMU News for Wednesday, May 10th. Get your community-powered journalism weekdays on the airwaves at noon and 6 p.m. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.